Hey, beloved, welcome to another interesting chapter of the book of Sean. I know that life is an amazing adventure. Things pop up that you didn't expect and you have to deal with things that you didn't plan for. Nobody watching tonight can say that every day of your life has been exactly what you planned, right? We've all had things sort of just jump out of nowhere and you got to adjust. You got to lean with it. You got to rock with it. You got to find a way to pick up the best of who you are and keep going forward, even on days when you feel like staying where you are. What about those days where you don't feel like moving at all? See, life is a complicated and somehow beautiful endeavor. And my guest tonight knows that firsthand. You're about to hear about a condition, a disease, and I'm almost certain you've never heard of before. You're about to learn about something that my guest has had to live with that I'm almost certain you've never heard of before. I, I had never heard of it. And she's here tonight to tell that story and not just tell that story. She's here tonight so that I can speak to her soul, to her spirit, to make sure that even as she deals with the unexpected, that she maintains expectation. <laughs> Welcome to the show tonight, Onyx Monopoly. Hello, Dr. Sean. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Onyx. It's so good to have you. Thank you for being here. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. It, it, listen, when I heard about your story, I was fascinated to be able to tell people about this. Um, and so let's begin this way. Um, you have a very rare and very uncommon disease called auto brewery syndrome. Tell everybody yeah. what that is. I don't know if it's considered a disease. Okay. Um, it is definitely a condition. Okay. And auto brewery syndrome is a condition where your body produces ethanol um, through, um, and it's like indigenous um, fermentation. And it's caused by yeast and bacteria in the gut. And I've learned um, recently that also it's causing your throat as well. But mine started in the gut. Mm. Okay. So, so pretty much I make my own beer. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just about to ask. Okay. So that means that when you say you make your own beer, like, like break that down. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you're, um, I'm going to just speak on my personal situation. Yes. My body, my gut, um, I had an ulcer apparently. And it got, it was infected. It had, cause I've had a lot of bowel resections and um, surgeries with my mm. colon and stomach. Um, but I also had ulcers previous, uh, previously prior to that. Mm. Um, but apparently I had ulcers and they were infected, which caused yeast and bacteria on top of hypoglycemia. <laughs> and um, so I would drink a lot of juice and, you know, to try to keep my sugar up. Mm. Well, when you're drinking that juice with yeast and ethanol and, you know, this, stuff going on, your gut starts fermenting. It starts making alcohol. Mm. And so pretty much that's what my body does. It just ferments when I have the condition going on. Wow. And I heard you found out that you had this in a very <laughs> interesting way. Can you tell that story? <laughs> Don't get me to cry so early, Dr. Sean. Okay, that's, hold I, on. I'm here for it. I'm, I might cry okay. with you. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you, I... I did this with your producer. I'm like, I'm not going to cry because it's so uh, emotional. Mm. It's so, I, I literally, 
have not been able to tell the story without crying. Mm. Um, mm. One day I will. But I didn't start drinking alcohol until I was 30. Mm. And um, so I, I um, you know, I started drinking um, around 30, just having a good time, not an alcoholic or anything, um, but just casually drinking. And I noticed shortly after that, um, give it, well, shortly after that, you know, I kept having bowel resections, bowel obstructions, perforated bowels um, due to another situation. But shortly after that, I started shaking, right? I would get these shakes and you feel like you want to die. And I had all these people around me saying, you know what? You're having withdrawals. I'm like, withdrawals from what? <laughs> they said from alcohol. I'm like, I don't drink that much. And they said, well, when you do, you do, um, you binge. And I'm like, what the hell? So on a Friday night or something, I have a drink and now I'm an alcoholic. So Dr. Sean, I literally kept shaking and having this. So what I started doing is I would drink it and it would stop. But my drinks of choice was like red wine or cranberry and vodka. And so I realized when I would drink, it would stop and I feel normal. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm an alcoholic. So I would walk around because I didn't want to feel like I would die. I didn't want to start shaking. Um, I would walk around with a cranberry and vodka in my purse. And next thing you know, I think I was turning into an alcoholic to make this stop. Mm. But unlike your average alcoholic or, or just say a regular drinker, if I have one glass, it was like I drank a whole bottle. Um, so to make a long story short, I started going to AA and I said, okay, I guess I need to go to AA. I need to really say I'm an alcoholic. Hi, my name is Onyx. I'm an alcoholic. And um, then I said, I have to stop drinking if you're holding yourself accountable for being an alcoholic. Well, these problems started to happen, but they were happening when I was driving and it was getting worse. Uh, but when I wasn't drinking, I was you know, still feeling drunk and like I'm gonna die. So I ended up to make a long story short with multiple DUIs in California. Mm. Um, but the crazy thing is when they would have me blow or they would take my blood test, I would test, but I'm, I was like, I'm, I'm not drinking. I wasn't drinking. So I started to think I had split personalities and I'm <laughs> probably turning up and not remembering. <laughs> mm. And I ended up in jail. Um, so I ended up in jail in um, LA County. Um, and in jail, the doctor of the nurses and doctor said, you smell like you're drunk. Okay. I'm in jail. Is there a bar? Cause at this point I want to just be an alcoholic. <laughs> right. Turn me to the bar. Right. Let's right. Turn it up. You know, and they're like, you're drinking Pruno. I'm like, what the heck is Pruno? <laughs> you know? So I ended up passing out and almost dying in, in Linwood jail. And I found out Linwood, um, well, ICU that I had hypoglycemia severe hypoglycemia, which is a, a form of diabetes, if you yeah, will, yeah. Uh, overproduced insulin. And so that was one of the reasons I had the shakes and, you know, felt like I was going to die. And the doctor, I was telling him this story about drinking and carrying it. He laughed. He said, you're not, a, it's, he said, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at the situation. He said, you weren't an alcoholic. You just were missed that you were never diagnosed or misdiagnosed. So it wasn't the alcohol that was making the shake stop. It was the sugar, the cranberry juice or the sugar content, the wine. Mm. <laughs> and so I finally figured that out. But um, unfortunately, I still was feeling drunk and having these episodes. So fast forward, I'm out of jail. I'm on probation with a suspended prison sentence because I took a deal. And I'm like, okay, so now the shakes are happening and I'm drinking juice. 
I'm eating sugar. I'm just trying to keep my sugar um, up. But I noticed the more I would drink, the more juice I would drink and the more um, I would eat um, to try to bring my sugar up, the dizzier I got, I started to feel drunk. The room was spin. And so I um, end up one day just, I said, something is wrong and I don't want to go to jail and I'm scared to drive because I don't want to get pulled over and go through this whole DUI thing again. To make a long story short, I end up at the hospital and I said, I'm not drunk. I'm on probation. I don't want to go to prison. Please help me. I promise I'm not drunk, but I feel drunk. Mm. Blurring my bladders. I'm losing my bladder. Okay, stop, stop, and, stop, 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 stop for a moment. In that moment when you're having to tell someone, I'm not drunk, I'm not crazy. Yeah. But something is wrong. How are you feeling? Crazy. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Not just crazy. There's more. How else are you feeling? Crazy. And, um, you know, you really feel, you feel drunk. Um, you feel drunk and you feel crazy, Dr. Sean. Mm. Um, you know, this stuff, the crazy thing is it's still, I still have episodes. But Onyx, stop um, a second. Stop. I don't want to rush. I'm going to slow down. So in yeah. that moment, I know you feel crazy, but do you yeah. also feel hurt? You feel scared? Are you are embarrassed? You embarrassed? There you go. Yeah. There you go. You know, it's great because I'm telling this story and I've told it a thousand times by now. But that feeling of embarrassment is still there. Yeah. Yeah. The hurt is still here. Yeah. Because I can't really go places anymore. Um, like I have events, I have stuff coming up, but it happened last year in LA where I had an episode and it was so humiliating. And you know, when you have to rethink these things, it's, you know, it's frustrating because like right now the emotion is one happiness that I have uh, an explanation now. I have a name for it. So this is like, you have the tears of joy, but you have the tears of pain because I still have a felony. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have the the stories and the embarrassment, you know, um, but, you know, it is what it is. But it's it's exciting, liberating and still frustrating and embarrassing all in this. Government. No, I, listen, <laughs> I, I can understand that. I cut you off before you got to tell us how you exactly found out that you um, that you had this. So, so go back to that. Go back to the very moment where you're at the hospital. You say to them, I'm not crazy. I'm not drunk, but something is wrong. How did they find out and have a name for this? Well, they tested me and there was alcohol in my system. And they asked me what I ate, what I drank, and I let them know. And so what they did is they admitted me and then they, um, they start, um, they, they, what is it called? Like an evaluation where they, um, it's called an evaluation for the sake of my sanity right now. Uh, and they start feeding me. And like, they're like, you're going to eat this, you're going to drink this, and we're going to pour blood. And you're going to eat this, you're going to drink. And, and it was like, I'm like, you know, I have no stomach, right? I can't, this is great. I want to eat, but I can't eat all of this. And I had to. And that's when, um, you know, so after three days of testing and drug pulling, I mean, blood pulling, excuse me, the doctors came in and they said, so guess what? You're not crazy. And mm. you're not an alcoholic. Mm. Um, and we know you weren't drinking. Mm. And I'm like, there you go. <laughs> I'm not going to jail. <laughs> I was waiting for the police to come in and say, you violated your probation. Upstate, you go. You know, um, and I said, so what's wrong with me? And he said, you have a very rare condition 
where you ferment in your gut and you brew your own alcohol. Mm. And I'm like, you can't make this. <laughs> right, right, right. No. Right. Out of all the things a doctor might say, you never expect the doctor to say that, right? So you mean I don't have to go to the liquor store? I can just sit here and make myself sick? It's not even, the crazy thing is it's not the same kind of drunk. It's, this is the, you're not excited for this kind of drunk, you know? Mm. Well, I, I, listen, I was just about to ask you, tell me what the doctors told you, you, you had to live with it and what the limitations were for having this. Well, it's not, for, for me at least, it's not an ongoing thing. Okay. Um, it's, you know, I have to have an ulcer or an infection. But because, again, I've had stomach cancer, bowel resections, perforated bowel, so many surgeries on my, um, you know, on my abdominal tract um, that I am susceptible to ulcers or infections. I have a lot of aliases and so on. But to, when you have auto brewery syndrome, you are not supposed to drink. And that's so hard when you love a glass of wine on a date or something, mm. you know, but you're not supposed to um, drink. You have to limit your carbs, you know? So, um, you know, bread, anything that is um, high, you know, carbs, it's something with carbs and bread, because I think bread has yeast. Yeah. It can instigate it if you have the situation. But, also- But, but, but Onyx, you, you, you mentioned that this is not the kind of drunk that people want. Right. Say more about that. Cause I want people to hear this. It's not, it's not that good buzz where you're like, hey, <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't wake up to strangers in the morning. <laughs> you know, <laughs> another show. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but it's not an exciting, not that drunk is exciting, but you know, when you, you know, you go out and you have a buzz and you feel good, it's not that. You, this is an uncontrollable feeling. Like you're just, it's like, imagine just being drugged and uh, um, without your own permission. It's like my body is working against me. Mm, and uh, Stop right there, stop right there. Because yeah. that's, that's the moment. And that's the moment where I think everybody can connect with what you're saying. Um, because if you've ever been sick, you've ever had to deal with something, you know what it is to have your body work against you and you can't figure out what, what, what's going on? Why, why aren't the systems working? And I, w I, want, I want to stop there because a part of what I want to do tonight is really begin, now that we have the story, now that we understand what it is, is I want to begin to explore what it's done to you. Not physically, we got that, but what it's doing to you emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. And what are the burdens and the crosses you've had to bear? And I bet you, Onyx, all the money in your pocket against all the money in my pocket, that while I've never had the syndrome that you are dealing with, living with and dealing with, I know mm -hmm. what it is, and my audience, we know what it is to have to carry a cross. And we're all okay. gonna talk about it right after this. We'll be right back with some of that and a lot more of Onyx and her story right after this. Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking to my sister. Yes, I adopted her, Onyx Monopoly, with uh, an amazing story um, about a syndrome that few of us have heard of before, auto-bury syndrome. Onyx, um, before we took our break, I mentioned that I want us to sort of take a turn. And now that we know what it is, and we know what it's called, and we know what it does to your body, what I want to know 
is what has this been doing to your mind, to your heart, to your soul? Um, it's done a lot. One of the things I can say that has really been uh, messing with me lately mm. is that because of the syndrome, it's been attacking my pancreas and I'm possibly up for, if my, what they're doing now doesn't work, I'm up for a transplant. Mm. Um, so that has been like, you know, what else? <laughs> mm. Like, you know, um, okay, but stop, but stop, but stop, stop, because that's no little thing to say. That's big. <laughs> um, that's big. Um, so, so I'm sure that inspires I'm anxiety. Supposed to cry. <laughs> this is the book of Shaw. Everybody cries <laughs> no. when they come on the show. Like literally, everybody. <laughs> but but, but I'm, I get sure, you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that inspires anxiety and fear and a sense of your own mortality, right? Um, I'm on, a, um, you know, they're trying to find medications to make my pancreas stop producing. I'm not even getting paid for producing all this insulin. <laughs> um, and so they're going to try to take half of it if the medication don't work. And then if taking half my pancreas doesn't work, I go on the transplant list. That's scary. It's just, yeah. you know, um, I feel like the female joke since everybody is nicknaming us. Like, what else? What other organ in my body is going to fail? <laughs> I need a filter for this help. Um, so that's affected me because that's something that you're constantly, you know, I got to go, don't eat this, don't do this, don't stress, because if I ferment, it's like drinking for a, a person whose liver's jacked up from drinking too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're not drinking, you get chronic pancreatitis. Well, my body is having a party, a Super Bowl party with a whole bunch of beer and stuff on its own, and it's my pancreas is getting mad when I give up. Yeah. <laughs> You so, know, you know, you know you, oh, hold on, honest, because huh? you're here tonight and you're talking about this. And I, I just I celebrate you. I applaud you. I honor you just for being able to sit up straight and talk about this, because most people would not be able to do that. Right. We would be so overcome with the emotion and the despair. But on the difficult days, what do the difficult days look like for you? You know, my most difficult days. You know, because uh, again, auto brewery syndrome is not, it's not always active. It's just like when my sugar drops, I wonder if it's active and then it throws you into like panic attacks. Right, right. And you're like, ah, right. you know, um, and, and then, you know, cause the other thing is, you know, you, if you get too drunk, you pass out, right? So if I'm brewing or uh, my sugar dropping, I get uh, anxiety. Like I don't want to pass out. <laughs> I don't want to hit my head today. Hold on. How are you dealing with with all of that like what are you doing to help you handle the emotional side i talk about it um and you know you have therapy i talk about it um uh what do i do i you know i don't play gosh i'm just i feel like it's just a waterfall and i can't make it stop <laughs> um you got some tissue, you have some tissue there I have a towel, but I didn't want to pick it up. No, pick, pick <laughs> Thank up you. Y'all better yes. put a filter on these tears. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, no. Um, how do I deal with it? I just deal with it like I do everything else in life, right? Mm. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of my syndromes um, are especially, I would say, the... Uh, okay, stop, 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 stop. I'm, I'm going to do, do some work now. Don't just don't make me cry anymore. How does I can't promise that? How does this make you feel about yourself when nobody else is around? What are you saying about yourself? 
honestly, I'm, you know, I look myself in the mirror every day. I'm proud of myself. Um, I don't have a victim mentality. I just get frustrated because I'm a fixer. I can fix and conquer most things. Mm. You tell me I can't do something, I'm going to move the heavens and the earth to prove me wrong. But I just, I'm telling my body, <laughs> come on, girl, get it together. Um, but this you can't you know, fix. This is something I that you, fix it's this. outside of your control. And so you deal with by uh, By doing what? You just live, Sean. I, I mean, I can't be obsessed with worrying because I believe, you know, what, what happens when you worry and stress? Your body dies, right? Mm. Um, and if I worry and stress, I'm going to get more ulcers. Um, but, mm. you know, it, the, the negatives, I, um, the negative aspect is if I go out or I have an event and I'm, because you don't know when you're brewing. You don't, I, you know, I take antacids, I take all these medications. Are to you prevent. going out? Do you go out? Not much anymore. I've actually even, um, not only because of the vid, but um, because of my condition, I've simmered down on doing big events uh, mm -hmm. because last year I, I was humiliated um, mm. at an event in LA. And, you know, it was just, you, it's, it, I felt like I need to figure out how to do a test before I go out or something. So I would say that's probably the biggest, um, because I love people, right? I talk a lot. Do it for a living. So, uh, so, I just so like hold on, hold on. So what you've done is you've sort of, you've sort of curtailed. That, there it is. There it is. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and I'm honest, I'm going to push you now, okay? The okay. truth of the matter is that's how you're dealing with it. It's easier. Yeah. You know, um, one of the other ways, though, I did figure out, I was talking to my doctor and my therapist about it. You know, when you go out, you let people know. You let, you know, if I'm doing an event, my staff already knows or my assistant knows. People around me know. Um, but it's also great to tell other people. Um, and I've learned not to go out uh, and drink. You know, I'm not supposed to drink. I'm human. Sometimes I'll have some wine. Onyx, Onyx, <laughs> Onyx. That, that, all of that being the case, we're we going to go back to where the meat of this is. You're yes. dealing with it by being a recluse and a hermit. And yes. at, least, at least in some part, at least in large part. And what I want to know is this. Are you OK with that? You know what? Yes, because it's easier to protect yourself. OK. You ready for me? No. I know you're not. But, but, but that answer, <laughs> you, you're, you're a truthful and honest woman. And I respect you, but that's not an honest answer. That's a Which safe part? answer. That, yes, you're OK with it. And you're not OK. Your heart. Your natural disposition, just for me talking to you tonight, is that uh -huh. you are vibrant, you are bright, you shine in the room, people like you, you like people, and the fact that you now have to curtail your life, maybe, maybe mentally, you understand why that has to happen, but emotionally, spiritually, your soul ain't okay with that. I, I, no, don't answer, because I don't <laughs> care what you say, I'm not believing that. <laughs> Nobody's going to convince me that your soul is okay with that. Not buying it. No. <laughs> no. No. I've been around you for, what, 25 minutes? And I can tell that you are, you, you, you're vibrant. You're ebullient. You have that spark, right? And to not be able to share that, you're not okay with that. 
Okay, I've grown no. no. Oh, okay, you know what got me a little bit. <laughs> no. A little bit. No. No. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's not functional. I'm not saying that it may not be working for you on some level. I'm not saying that it doesn't make sense. But I'm saying at the level of where your spirit speaks, if you didn't yeah, have I mean, to deal I, with this, no. The, the cool thing is that, you know, we had a pandemic that helped me. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, uh, the way out is to say it, just so you know. No, I'm, I'm processing. I'm processing. Uh, and the way out. And the way out. And the way out is to say it. Well, say what? Like I, I'm um, not okay with it. I'm okay. I, I, am I all the way okay? No, because I'm used to throwing big events and doing event. You know, after event, and it's like down to, am I gonna throw an event? You know, uh, honestly, like. Ugh. And the way out is to say it. Say what? I'm not okay with it. I'm I've, not all the way okay. And the way out is to and the way out is to say it. No, but I found peace because let me tell you. Although I love doing my events, I uh, um I used to, I found that most of my events were done to please others, and um not um being more of a recluse in searching and trying to fix me and becoming selfish. It's been. I've been able to breathe because it it cost me no money to throw these events to please other people. Mm. I've been focusing more on charitable things where I'm not buying love and friendship and popularity, you know. Um, but you can't so have love. That's why I say and, I'm not you can, all the way okay. Onyx, you, you cannot have okay. love and friendship and be a recluse. I'm not talking about the parties. I'm not talking no, about... No, I know, but that's why I'm saying, that, um, Dr. Sean, I, I'm not all the way okay, but I'm partially okay. Because yeah. I've, I've learned to do what's important. I don't have to do all these events. But the sad part is I do think of like there's um, All-Star Weekend. I do want to have a big event, but I'm afraid that I'm going to start having fun and then I'm going to pass out. You know how you have those fears. You and I, you and I are going to agree to disagree on this one. Well, okay. Because, we'll because I, think, I, think that, I think that anybody in your position would have a dual answer in the sense that you've learned to adjust, you've learned to see the value, you've learned how to make it work for you. Like, I get that. So I, I, I'm totally with you on that. I'm saying at, at the substratum, at the yeah. base beat and the bottom of where you live, fundamentally, see, let me put it this way. Yeah, I'm not happy having to make a choice. Like, there you go. if I had my choice, I would say, all right, I'll start a big event. But because of my health, I'm saying, no, because I'm going to pass out. I might be fermenting. My sugar might drop, and I'm going to be humiliated. Then I got to deal with that public humiliation for six months mentally. Yeah. So, uh, so you understand? So let, let, me, let, let me say this to you, because this, this is the part that I wanted to, to give to you, because you've gifted us tonight with so much of an, what I think is an amazing story. And I wanted, I wanted to really gift you with something and to okay. give you something really to, uh, hopefully to, to feast on, to feed on um, in days to come. Because as I, as I listened to you tonight and I listened to you on many levels and as I heard some of your struggles and your, and your trials, the, the thing that came to my mind is you have to come from an extraordinary 
family. You have to come from, I'm not talking about just, just your mom. I'm talking about your great, 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 great grandfather and your great, 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 great grandmother because your resilience and your courage and your ability to be knocked down and get back up again is extraordinary. There are few people on the planet who could bear the cross that you've been nailed to and not wanna die immediately. The fact that you can smile and put makeup on and be beautiful is a testament to the truth of who you are. And I know you have this syndrome and I know it's limited and changed your life, but I also know that you got something that makes you strong in places that doctors and medication and diseases cannot reach. And I don't care what happens next or what comes next five minutes from now or 50 years from now. What I see when I look at you is your strength. You are the embodiment of courage and it is beautiful and it is marvelous in my eyes. And I want you to know that. I want you to know that as much as you've lost, you've gained some things. And what you know that most people never find out is how strong you really are. Thank you, Dr. Sean. I'm done. <laughs> Listen, I want you to go forward. I want you to be amazing. And, and, and whatever happens, I, I want you to know there's somebody in LA who believes in you. And, um, and that's just how Thanks. that is. Listen, thank you, Doc. Thank you, Onyx. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Listen, everybody, when we come back, um, I had a few aha moments from that conversation, things that I learned, things that were reiterated in my mind. What an amazing story. What, what, a, what an unusual condition, right? We're all dealing with something. You'd be surprised at what the people in your life are dealing with, and you don't even know it. Let's take a break. We'll be right back right after this. Listen, got a lot of aha moments out of that. Play the bumper, highly. You know what's amazing? Human beings have this incredible ability to adjust. We can adjust, we can amalgamate, we can accommodate many different things. But just because you've adjusted to something doesn't mean that your soul is okay with it. Just because you've done the hard work and the courageous work of finding a way to go forward does not mean that you're not grieving the life you wish you could live and wish you could have. And that conversation tonight taught me that you can be well adjusted and still be grieving. You can be working to overcome and learn how to live with something and at the same time have a part of you that's just frustrated about what can happen, what won't happen, and what has been lost. One of the things I tried to do in that conversation, and I want to invite you to do in your own life, is to be courageous and honest enough to sort of say what it is. It's okay for you to be able to say, I'm not happy with the fact that I got to take care of my adult parent. I'm not happy about the fact that I got to uh, deal with my child that keeps getting arrested. I'm not happy about the fact that I don't have financial security. I'm not, and the list goes on and on. And at the same time, be able to say, but I'm going to meet this challenge. And I'm going to fight this battle and I'm going to win it. 
Those two things don't cancel each other out. In fact, one makes the other possible. We begin with honesty. We begin with how it feels. We begin with what it is. And then we move to what we hope for. But hope makes no sense without despair. And while Onyx is certainly not in despair, there's a part of her that's grieving. There's a part of me that's grieving. It's a part of you that's grieving. The you you wish you could have been if the world and life had simply left you alone. Mm. I think she's gonna be fine. I know that there's no medical solution to her problem, but much of this is about spirit. And much of what we face in life isn't about physical, it's about spirit. It's about how we psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually attack whatever is in front of us. Yeah, I wish her joy. I wish her love. Wish it for you too. Let's do some ass, Dr. Sean. Highly played a bumper, man. You guys always send me amazing videos, and this one is no different. Let's take a look at it. Hey, Dr. Sean, my name is Uniqua. I'm from the Bronx, and I have a question for you. So for Thanksgiving this year, my boyfriend and I went over to his family's house. Let me add, my boyfriend and I have been together for over a decade, so I'm very familiar with his family. Everything was cool for the most part, but towards the end of the evening, his sister and I ended up getting into an argument. So now Christmas is approaching and we're having Christmas at my house this year. And I don't know what to do, Dr. Sean. Like, should I invite her? I mean, we haven't spoke since. There hasn't been any apologies exchanged, anything like that. But I'm wondering, like, should I let bygones be bygones for the sake of the kids and the holidays? Or is it my house, my feelings, my rules? Help me out, Dr. Sean, what should I do? <laughs> I like that. My house, my feelings, my rules. Sounds like me. <laughs> but no! How about this? Um, it's his sister, which means you're going to run into her again. There's no getting around her. She is the sister of the person that you're in love with. And she's a part of his life, which makes her a part of yours. Not every day, right? Not directly in your kitchen, but in the universe of your life. See, what I would do is I wouldn't invite anybody to my house uh, who, I ha who I had had a conflict with without first having a s subsequent conversation with them, brief about inviting them over. See, here's what I would do. I would say, and, and you can text it. Listen, Christmas is coming. You're my, you know, you're my, my booze sister. You're invited. But the last time we got together, we kind of had words. And I'm over it if you're over it. If you're not over it, then maybe you shouldn't come. But you're more than welcome. I just don't want to have a, re a repeat of what happened the last time we got together. I think that's a message worth the trouble of sending. Because you don't want it to be the case that the first time you have a conversation about it or first time you even have any contact is when she walks through your door and now she's in your space with all that energy and you having energy and she's giving it back to you and now you're in your house though which means there's no place to escape there's no place to flee you follow what i'm saying i would deal with the bad energy the negativity before it happened and just sort of say listen this is where i am you're more than welcome to come but let's just enjoy the holiday let's not do a back and forth 
Let's not try to do any of that. And if you know, if you can't do that because you're still upset, then this ain't the place you should spend Christmas. And if you're not really over it, then I'm suggesting that you probably should be. Because life is too short to hold grudges about an argument that you have with your husband's or boyfriend's sister. Life is short. And if it wasn't an argument to the degree that it would destroy your humanity, then welcome to family. Welcome to having to deal with the family of the people you are in love with. I'm not saying you have to take disrespect. It sounds like you stood up for yourself. That's good. So now that you stood up for yourself, you put your foot down, and now that people know you can't be run over, you're not a pushover, there's no need to drag this out. You've proven your point. She knows and everybody in the family knows. Messing with you comes with a cost. Now show them another side of who you are. Show them that you can stand up for yourself, you can argue somebody down, and then you can pick up the best of who you are and move on. Yeah, how about that? Let's take a break. We'll have some more Ask Dr. Sean right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So someone emailed me this question. My girlfriend asked me what I wanted, <clears throat> excuse me, for Christmas. To be honest, I am bored with our sex life. And what I really want is for her to let me have sex with another woman. Is there anything wrong with me asking her to gift me with a hall pass for Christmas? Jesus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, there is something wrong with that, okay? Because there are, there are other alternatives to simply getting a hall pass to be with another woman if your sex life isn't what you, what you want it to be. How about before you ask for a sex, I mean a sex pass, I can say a sex pass, a hall pass, you work on your sex life. You do the hard work with her, without her, whatever it is, to improve the quality of your sex life. And you never know, she may not be happy with the kind of sex you're giving either. She may be just as bored as you are. And maybe the way that you two can bless each other is to, you know, talk to someone who has expertise in spicing up the sex. Monkey sex. <laughs> I don't know where I get this from, but anyway. No, you, no, you can't have, it's not for me to decide, but you can't have a hall pass. The way you fix something is not by breaking it. The way you bring something together is not by doing something that's going to rip the two of you apart. And, and you having sex with someone else, is, it's not going to have any good bearing on the relationship that you are already in. Don't run from your problems. Now, I understand that sex is important and people love to have it. It's a gift from God, in spite of what you learned in that church you go to. Sex is a gift from God. It's a very wonderful thing. But it's not everything. And what I'm challenging you, to, challenging you rather to consider and understand that if everything else that this woman does checks all your boxes and the one thing she doesn't do well is sex, are you really willing to give that up or put that in jeopardy because of the 20% she can't do well? It's like the 80-20 rule, right? The person gives you 80% of what you want and you chase after the 20% that they don't give you only to discover that when you get the 20%, that's all they got. Now you're missing all the 80. Work on your sex life together. 
Find new ways to discover your sexualities together. That's the work of relationship. And that's what makes it hard. If it were easy, there'd be no divorce in this country. It's hard because it's hard. And a hall pass is not going to help you. Because when you go home, after you've done sleeping with somebody down the hall, it's still going to be the same woman that you left. And just so we're clear, you're still going to be the same man who went down the hall. How about we try to get better? How about we try to improve before we run from the things that seem too much to bear? All right. Not another video. Amazing videos today, by the way. Let's take a look at this one. Hi, Dr. Sean. So every year, my mother-in-law pretty much makes me come over during the holidays to learn her recipes, right? The problem is, I'm, <laughs> I don't want to be mean, but I really am not fond for cooking. So how do I, how do I express that without being too harsh? Because for me, it's a waste of time, but I don't really, I don't want to be mean about it. Ah, uh, contraire. I submit to you, beloved, that it's not actually a waste of time. It really isn't. I want to invite you to see this differently. This isn't about the recipes. This isn't about her cooking. And first, let me say, there is no way to tell someone I don't like your cooking without them being offended. <laughs> it just doesn't exist. Now, either you got to bite the bullet and say it, which I have no problems doing, by the way. I will tell you I don't like your cooking while I'm in your kitchen, sitting at your table with a fork in my hand. Because that's just how I am. Let me get back to the original story. I invite you to see this as not so much a mother-in-law, and maybe in her mind, she's trying to get you to learn her recipes. But you should see it as an opportunity for you to bond with the mother of the man that you love. An opportunity to be in the kitchen and to, and to get to know her, to get to understand her, and, and her child, by the way. Because there's some things about him you don't know yet. I don't care how long you've been married or together, whatever it is. There's some things about him that only his mother knows. This is an opportunity for you to learn, an opportunity for you to bond. And yeah, she'll give you the recipes. And when you leave the house, leave them there. <laughs> you don't ever have to cook anything that she tried to teach you to cook. Because it's not about the cooking. You know how black women are. When black women get together, I had a mother and, and my sister. My mother would be braiding my sister's hair and teaching her the mysteries of the universe. My mother would be trying to get my sister to understand how much pepperica to put on the whatever, how much season salt to put on the chicken. And she'd be teaching her the mysteries of the deep, dark places of the human heart at the same time. That's how black women are. When we're together in the kitchen, and, 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 and black people generally, when we're together in places where we're supposed to be doing one thing, we're really doing something else. This is an opportunity for you to have a different connection with his mother. That's not a waste of your time. That's a privilege, it's an honor. Take advantage of it. And if bad cooking ultimately leads to a great relationship, 
What have you lost? Because she might well say something, not just to help you understand him, and not just to understand her. She might say something to help you understand yourself. How about that? All right, when we come back, we're going to do a little bit of here's what doesn't make sense right after this. Don't go nowhere. Welcome back, everybody. So let's do a little bit of here's what doesn't make sense. Kylie was on it right there. All right, so let's talk about college. An independent federal agency is calling on Congress to help students deal with the fact that the cost of higher education remains a, a secret and a mystery in this country. The Government Accountability Office recently reported back to Congress that it should require colleges and universities to give students an accurate price for the cost of their education. The report found out that most colleges and most universities fail to provide all the information that students need to know in order to determine how much it costs to attend one of these universities and colleges. So when a student is accepted into a college or university, they usually receive a financial aid letter, which lists the cost and grant and loan information and all the things they're eligible for to help them defray and handle those costs. But the Government Accountability Office found out that when colleges and universities send out those letters, they don't tell you all that it costs. They're hiding some of the costs. Now, this is crazy on two levels, okay? The first level is colleges and universities are supposed to be the places where the investigation of truth happens. We go to college and university so that we can understand a little bit more of what's true about the world. And yet colleges and universities are lying about the cost. We go to get truth and you're lying about the cost. How do you think it's going to turn out <laughs> not telling people the truth about how much it's going to cost them to learn and be better people? You can't. You can't hide what it costs to learn the truth. In fact, that's part of the pursuit of wisdom and knowledge. I don't understand why universities and colleges cost so much money to begin with. Somebody explain that to me. Go. <laughs> explain to me what it, why does it cost so much money to go to a college or a university? I don't get it. I don't, and you know, I love colleges and I love universities. I think people should go. So I'm not one of those people who says, you don't need to go to college. Yes, you do. Just so a woman on social media tearing up the airport in Miami. She clearly did not go to college. <laughs> I'm just saying, college is a good thing. It's a great thing, but why did it cost so much money? And more importantly, why are colleges and universities lying about it? You see, if you tell me the truth, I can handle it better. I can make a better decision. And once again, that's exactly what colleges and universities are supposed to be empowering people to do. But here's the last thing I want to say about this. You can tell the end from the beginning. And if something starts out with a lie, I promise you that a lie is going to manifest itself somewhere in the middle and definitely at the end. You can't expect people to emerge about something better if your relationship began with a lie. And withholding information, I don't care what any man says, because men like to do this. I don't care. Withholding information is a form of lying. Tell people the truth and respect them enough to let them deal with 
what the implications of that truth might be for them. Anyway, let's talk about marijuana. <laughs> let's talk about crack, because this story is about crack. Crack and cocaine. Attorney General Merrick Garland has instructed federal prosecutors to end sentencing disparities between people convicted of crimes involving crack and those convicted of crimes involving powder cocaine. And all I can say is it's about damn time. This disparity in sentencing has led to the disproportionate prison sentences being leveled against black and brown people, as opposed to what happens to white folks when they use cocaine. So black people using crack, get longer sentences and sentenced more often than white people using cocaine. Um, and it's ludicrous. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Is there any difference between crack and cocaine? I mean, is there, is there fundamental, one is prepared differently? I'm not a drug expert, okay? I've never done crack and I've never done cocaine. Not my thing. <clears throat> I'd rather have a cigar and some tequila. So I don't know, but my sense of it is that it's the same thing. And I have receipts. Mary Goldman said in his memo, the disparity is not supported by science and there is no significant pharmacological difference between the drugs. Ha! I was right. There's no difference between crack and cocaine. It's the same thing. One is cooked, the other one isn't. And yet, check this out. Right now, if you have 28 grams of crack, you can get five years for that. But in order to get five years with cocaine, you have to have 500 grams. If you're not good at math, let me help you. 500 grams is a lot more than 28 grams. And you should get more, should you get more time for doing more drugs? Not in America. <laughs> if you do 28 grams worth of crack, you get five years. But in order to get five years due to, when you're doing cocaine, you gotta have 500 grams of that. This is crazy. Absolutely insane. I'm so glad Mary Garland is doing something about it. It was a time in this country when black people were being punished, not just for being addicts, but for being black addicts while white people were being protected, not just for being white, but for being white addicts. But an addict is an addict. We ought to treat all addicts the same way. That is with compassion, a sense of correction, decency, and accountability. But let me leave you with, let me leave you with this. Don't ever tell me that racism is not systemic in America because this proves it. It takes 500 grams of cocaine to get five years and only 28 grams of crack to get the same amount of time. Yeah, racism is real, but the cure for racism is also real. And the cure is for us to acknowledge it, to do something about it, and to correct the content of our hearts. Thank you for being a part of this tonight. I wanna to thank my guests for being here tonight. What an amazing, interesting story, right? Remember, beloved, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you have to carry, you can do it. As long as you're honest, as long as you're hopeful, and you remember to love. Yeah. Y'all be good to each other, right? I'll see you at the end of the week. All right? I love you. What else is there to say? 